1: This week's major spoilers podcast Saturday type edition is brought to you by William Wolf, who I think was played by William Conrad. No, nah, wait, that was Nero Wolf. No, you're thinking I was confused. That's what it was. Either way, William, this one goes out to you.
2: Major spoilers theme song. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod on on the air. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod pod
0: podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, podcasts, bye pod pod Bye pod- 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 podcasts. The Major
2: Spoilers podcast is on the air.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode or issue or edition or Hello, future
2: people.
0: whatever you call it of our little podcast thing that we are doing. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you. Actually, you know what? We re- really haven't given a lot of thanks to our-, our listeners who, week after week, continue to make major spoilers very popular. We continue to get more and more listeners each and every week, and we like to see those numbers climb. And, you know, it's really interesting is that we get a lot of compliments both about the major spoiler site about the major spoilers podcast and of course the critical hit podcast that people fawn over left and right and uh you know we want more people to enjoy this major spoilers experience so go out there and tell your friends give them a link sit them down and listen and rodrigo i know that there are people out there who are uh, who play dnd who listen to our podcast and mm-hmm. they're like i made people listen to an entire episode before we played at our recent game and now they're all converts and that's really great. I hope nice. they're. All, I hope they are all individually downloading. I don't mind that people sit around in a group and want to listen, but man, you know, having four downloads mm-hmm. instead of one certainly helps. So, yes. Uh, by the way, Stephen. Yes, sir. That's Matthew. By four the way, days everybody. ago. Yes, sir. Four days. Hi there. Four Four days ago,
1: you and I were having a discussion, and I think Rodrigo had dropped off at that time. We were talking about the Superman theme this week. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the week. Yeah, sure. And you couldn't think of the word, and you couldn't think of the word, and I couldn't think of the word, and now, four days later, it pops into my head. You were looking for the word leitmotif.
0: Yes, that's it.
1: To represent that that bit of the Superman theme. That's a leitmotif, exactly. and right. it just, right now, literally popped into my head.
0: <laughs> now Matthew falls over with an aneurysm for something literally into his head. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I took all that music stuff in college, and it's all fallen out of my head since then. So yes, thank you for reminding me. Well, and so thank is you. your hair. <laughs> thank you for everybody who uh, who wrote in to say and to clarify and to correct and to point out, etc., etc., etc.,
1: etc. You
0: know what I hate.
1: That's another musical message right there. What do you hate, You know what
0: I hate? I hate when I forget these kinds of things. I hate sitting there and Mm -hmm. just going, oh, man, I'm terrible at people's names. I I cannot figure out why. Even people that I see almost on a regular basis, I will sit there and go, I'm sorry, what's your name again? And I just have been in one of these. I don't understand why. You have to do mnemonic devices. Yes, I know.
1: Like, like, uh, you That's, think, oh well, okay. He looks kind of like Colonel Sanders. Colonel Sanders <laughs> runs KFC. That means his name is Coleman Slosky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I, I hate, I hate that. I hate that I cannot remember names, and it doesn't matter. It could be, you know, we could be talking about Christopher Nolan uh, directing the new Batman movie, and all of a sudden, right in the middle of the conversation, I'm like, uh, you know, that guy directing the Batman movie, what's his name? Uh, Der Christopher
1: you know. Reeve. William what's, Nolan? What's, what's, that Nolan president of,
0: what's the president of the United States name again? Uh, oh, something? You know, I just it's terrible. And I've just uh, been patio something that... Furniture? Doesn't matter. I try and try and try to remember, and I will forget people's names at, the, at just at a moment's notice. I'll, I'll forget Rodrigo's name or I'll forget Matthew's name. So... That's true. I hate... You called, you called him Matthew. I did. <laughs> because normally I, I throw to Rodrigo first and then follow that up with a Matthew comment. Uh, but I threw to you first and then tried to throw it again to you. Matthew. Yes. So,
1: Matthew, what do you think? So what is it? And how about you, Matthew? Uh,
0: I hate it when. Matthew, what is something that I hate it when that you uh, that you hate?
1: This one actually comes both from the entire webs and my day job. I hate it when people don't listen all the way through. Don't mm-hmm. read all the way through. Don't communicate. Recently, uh, we've we've talked about this. My day job right now we are in the process of closing out an existing progress, project. Right. Uh, project. Right. And when you go to our website, our website says one thing. It says, apply here for a rebate on your device. And you press that button and it says, as soon as you apply for a rebate, your subscription will be canceled. Please wait four to six weeks for delivery. The most common questions that I've had in the last six weeks are, Wait, why did my re- why did my subscription get canceled? And how long do I wait for my rebate?
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: I had a guy today. Now this one's beautiful. Went to the website, filled out the rebate form, put in his personal information. Is going to be issued a check. Called us today, and he said, "Wait, I can't get service on my TV. Why can't I get service? We stopped <laughs> broadcasting a week and a half ago, sir. That's yeah. why we have the device rebate. You guys are closing." nice (laughs) you filled out the whole rebate you presumably read and agreed to three pages of legal scripting and you don't know we're closing yeah you have to listen to the whole all the way through and i just especially on the internet if you get somebody who clearly only has half the story in their head Mm -hmm. you know it's oh it's frustrating yeah no 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 people people are all mad at natalie portman because uh I, I she uh, took a baby to in a headlock.
3: No, no she, she made a she made a baby out of dreadlocks. You know that's
1: right. <laughs> she had a baby out of wedlock.
3: No, no, I'm pretty sure it was the other thing. Yeah, you hear about that? Uh, star that had a meltdown, Charlie Rose,
1: <laughs> he got got fired from his show. Well, who told you that?
3: <laughs> no, this is a really nice guy, Charlie Sheen. <laughs>
0: Rodrigo, I hate it when.
3: Um, I hate it when, um, I-, I lose out or, or, or the, the nerd community loses out on a potential, uh, convert because of nerditude. And, okay. and I don't mean okay. being a nerd, I no, mean I the attitude that some nerds have
0: an elitist attitude almost.
3: Ask Clown either an uh, yeah either an elitist attitude or such an intense like uh, an intense focus on on nerd stuff mm-hmm. that they forget how to act around people
0: oh man rodrigo have uh, you been reading and i've have you been reading this webcomic our valued customers
3: i have not i've seen i've seen you post stuff uh, for it on the website um Although it might have going for it that our uh, web filter might not block it so if that's the case I might start reading it.
0: Okay. That might be exactly what you're talking about in in, in these things that
3: I, I I think it is and and I've talked cuz cuz I've had some very depressing conversations with people. I know this uh this girl she used to live here in Kansas she's uh, since moved to Canada far far away from here. Um you don't and I don't know talked to her and I was like, "You know, it, Um, no, it's not my
1: girlfriend. She moved Um, away to Canada, and then she, like, died, so you can't call her and check her.
3: she's in the space program. She's on the space station. You can't talk to her there. (laughs) Um, but anyway. But but she wanted it, and you gave it to her. Yep. Anyway. (laughs) Um, anyway. I remember talking to this girl. I mean, like, you know, it really seems like you would love Magic the Gathering. Why don't you come over, and you play Magic the Gathering with us? And she's like, I have played Magic the Gathering. You know, this guy made a deck for me and then, you know, basically went on to describe this kind of horrible stalker moment. Um, And I was like, oh, well, you know, we're not all like that. And she's like, yeah, but I don't really want to risk it anymore. And it's the same thing with d and I've talked to people who are like, yeah, I played in a and d game and like, you know, like, honestly, I didn't know anything. And... Nobody, like, everybody just treated me like crap because I didn't know what was going on. And I just, I just think that that's one person, that's one more player that we lost, that, that we as a community lost because of people wanting to feel superior or people not knowing how to restrain their own, you know. Yeah. Kikari. Exactly. Do you think,
0: do you think that's maybe, and I, and I know that there are a lot of, of girls and women who read comics and are into this pop culture stuff that we talk about. But do you think it's that attitude that pushes many of them away?
3: I think it's partially that attitude. I think that, or, or certainly that's, that's a factor in it. Um, because it, it doesn't help. You know, the, the thing is, I think people would like to think that all nerds are the same. And, and I think a lot of people like to think that all women are are essentially the same, but that's not the case. You know, if you are a nerdy guy, that just means you're into more or less generally the same sort of thing that other nerdy guys are into, but you might Mm -hmm. be a completely different person than obviously than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the gaming community, we have people who are basically chauvinists. We have people who are racist. We have people who are sexist. We have people who are you know completely socially inept just like we have people who are you know perfectly enlightened or 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 you know actually know how to cook or know how to talk to a person regardless of their gender and have a meaningful conversation. Um but I honestly the problem on both sides is that there's enough people on on both sides of the fence that just have that one experience and decide that that's the defining factor.
0: Mhm. Yeah. I hate it when, uh, people aren't open-minded enough to try something a, a second time. You know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I remember just, you know, trying to get people to get to this concept and idea of, for example, kind of moving it out of the pop culture area, uh, getting people to try sushi. You know, for the longest time I was kind of right. anti-sushi. And then finally they, some friends that I was working with when we were in San Jose, I said, oh, we're going to take you to this awesome sushi place. And we went there and they're like, just try it, just eat it. And I'm like, okay, I'll try it and eat it. Found out I loved it. And, um, when I try to get people to convert, especially students in western Kansas who have think sushi is the grossest thing in the world, yet they'll have no problem opening okay. up a can of tuna fish, trying to explain to them why they should try it or right, why they should experience new things or different things is very frustrating, especially if they say, oh, well, I tried this once and I had an experience like I went to a D&D group. Uh, um, my wife is this way now, bringing it back into pop, pop culture years before she met me. She was dating some guy who played D&D here in, on campus when she was going to college, and she said basically she sat there and everybody ignored her the entire time, even though she was trying to get into the enrollment. And so she never had uh, a chance to go back and try it again. She didn't have a desire to try and go back and do it again. We talked to her to see if we could get her in, involved in Critical Hint. she's like, no, I don't want anything to do with it. But she's just not open enough to try something a second time. And there's a lot of people sure. that are that way.
3: Oh, the happens. there's these there's these ladies uh, at work, um, and I think I, I think it's hilarious because they will not eat seafood. They think that shrimp are is gross. They think that you know mussels and clams and all that stuff it's, it's disgusting. Well. But they've all eaten and. Uh, reportedly, enjoy Rocky Mountain oysters. I'm uh, like, how can you think that seafood is disgusting and yet eat, you know, the the testicles walnuts. of, of yeah. any really any mammal? Yeah. Yep. Um. <clears throat> and uh, you know how how do you reconcile that in your own mind?
0: Well people have different different excuses for a lot of things that they come up with.
1: Well, and I think you know it, it may come down to a question of. It's it's relatively simple in this part of the world to be exposed to Rocky Mountain oysters without somebody telling you what they are. In fact, it's relatively right. common. Here, try this. Right. And right. then after, after you've eaten it, you know it's good. And I think it may be a locational thing. I mean, we all talked about shrimp tacos and an in, in initial distrust of shrimp tacos, <laughs> even though we know that the shrimp has to be frozen solid the same way that the meat or meat byproduct, it's M-E-A-T, it's a mobile <laughs> emulsion of uh, almost taco. I don't know. But, you know, it, it comes from the same place and there's no way that it's any more dangerous than any of the other craft that they serve us that can't be fresh either. Like their right. tomatoes and their lettuce, you know. But, right. Right. And shrimp are alien looking with like a thousand legs and little faces. Well, plus know.
0: if you don't. De- but you know, that's you,
3: why I like them.
0: If you don't devane them properly, you're just eating all their poop. So, yeah.
3: you know, You know what I
0: hate? What do you hate?
1: related to what you know you guys were talking about i hate it when somebody torpedoes another person's discussion or opinion with and these are really flip sides of the same coin you get either meh or well i've never heard of that you get this crap attitude that if i've never heard of it it's obviously not worth knowing about and mm-hmm. i'm I'm a guy who, and I will occasionally fall into the I've never heard of that trap, mm-hmm. but it's it's really, really dangerous because all of your favorite things at one point you'd never heard of. Right. Sure. You know, the, the monkeys were around in 1966. I didn't find out about them until 20 years later. I was 16 years old and I thought I knew all about music. And my friend Gator was like, you need to listen to these guys. They're like on MTV now. And, you know, 20 years down the line from that, my MP3 player has their entire library, including, you know, two versions of a song called Circle Sky. And the only difference is, you know, one has a different mix and a slightly different vocal from Mike. Mm -hmm. And I like them both. And I have them both separately and distinctly in my mind. You know, the I've never heard of that argument holds no water because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't say that something is bad because you've never heard of it. It says that you don't know what you're talking about because you've never heard of it.
0: Right, right.
1: But worse than that is the, the meh. I don't care. If you, if you don't care or if you don't know, shut the (laughs) flying monkey up. You know, (laughs) don't, don't inject yourself into a conversation only to crush it, only to bring it down, to drag the whole thing down and have people, you then have to justify their stuff or justify what they love to you because you've never heard of it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally
0: agree with you there. Anything else that you hate, Rodrigo?
3: Um, what do I hate? I actually don't hate a lot of things. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you is, what. Hate I'll, is a
0: really pretty is a, is a really strong word. Uh, you
3: know, it really isn't, though. That, I, I, okay, here's what I hate. I hate how people say that hate is a strong <laughs> word, even though everybody all the time says it. I know, but if you think They're about like, it, oh, I hate it's this. I hate that. that. Well, hate's like... a pretty strong word. It's like, it really isn't. If you say that you loathe something. Right. If you say that you have a burning rage against something. Um, well, you might want to get that looked at. But <laughs> little talcum cat. I think shorts. that might Hate? be some kind of infection.
1: Is what that is. Oh.
3: Hate and love are really not as strong a word as they as as people would like you to believe they are. And I think it's because people want to have that basic thing about it. It's sure. Like, everybody well, when a basic I want to. Word. You, when i want to really tell someone that i hate them i want hate to be available to me right. and I, and when i want someone to know that i love them i want love to be available to me but the important thing is is how you say them you can say hey stephen great podcast or you can say it in a different way to make to to crush poor little stephen's soul you know like it's it's all in how you say it and saying right. oh man my Shoes got wet. I hate that. It's not the same thing as, you know, talking about, you know, people committing atrocities, you know, and and how uh, hateful that is. It's it's not the same thing.
1: But sometimes you... I don't know. For me, if you say, I hate that, it has a visceral meaning, and people know what it means. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be dedicating your life to something. But, you know, if you were to say... I loathe that with the power of one million exploding suns. That, by the way, is the sentries tagline. Then, you know, you're, you're kind of showing off. My uh, daughter has a tendency to say things like, I hate that. That's stupid. I hate that. Mm-hmm. And she's seven and she doesn't know any better. And for a while I fought against it. And I was like, you don't hate that. You didn't know what hate means. And I'm like, well, yeah, she does. For as much as she needs to know, she really does. And if she wants to say something silly like, I hate that, then we'll take it for what it is and we'll move on. It's, yeah. you know, it's not nearly as horrible as when she says, I'm bored. Right. Every fun
0: <laughs> You know, I, uh, my son, and I, I know people don't, I don't know if people like me talking about my kid or not. I don't like saying his name, but I'll certainly talk about him. He gets into these moods where I will anger him and he will just get to the point where I don't like you anymore, daddy and be having a fit or whatever. And that, you know, he would say that a lot and you could, you almost got the feeling that, you know, he really means it. And then one day he kind of knew that it was bothering me about it because he kept saying it so much. And then he comes up to me, I guess before bedtime, we were doing hugs and kisses and storybook time. He goes, daddy, you know, sometimes I say that I, that I don't want to be your friend anymore, but I still love you. and, And you're still my daddy. And so he kind of understands oh. you know, that words yeah. can be very hurtful, and it's because he had an experience with that where he and I always – and I don't know, Rodrigo, if you've been here when we've played our name-calling game where we just call each other silly names, um, and I always let him win. No,
3: I've been here when you play your name-calling game where you call me silly names. <laughs> um, <laughs> the both but, of you team up against me. <laughs> What's the matter, Roro? You can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> Mason is so mean. Oops, I'm not supposed to say his name. Yeah, yeah. I'm not <laughs> Vengeance.
0: Um but uh, you know, and so he knows that when he and I are doing it, it's joking and it's funny. Well, one of his friends at school called him a name in a playful way, and he took it totally the wrong way. And really had mm-hmm. a bad moment with name calling. So he knows that words are very powerful, and you know, really, when you say something, you have to think about what you're saying because of the impact that they have, and I'm glad he's discovering that at that young age, and I don't hate that at all. Um, Going back to uh, trying something, uh, people who aren't willing to try something, I'm really surprised. When I was a kid, if he tried to get me to eat spinach or broccoli or something at his age, I would have just spit that stuff all over the house. I wouldn't even try to hide it. I would have spit it across the table onto the wall or something. You know, he's, he's willing to try, he is willing to try anything. And he is so fearless. The museum had some kids fair going on this past weekend and they had a, um, pet the, pet the snake exhibit. And I was like, Mason, are you really wanting to go look at these snakes? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'll pay my 50 cents or whatever. So you can go up and look at a snake. And I really thought he'd kind of have a little freak out moment, but no, the guy just, took this uh, ball python, not a ball, ball python, but it was a, some kind of garter snake or something that had coiled itself up, just handed it to Mason, and Mason uh, just uh. took it in his hands and just held it there for a couple of minutes and was just like, oh, okay, here you go. Let me have the other one. The guy handed it to him, was just holding it, and not a, not a, didn't flinch at all when the snake started crawling up his arm or anything like that. Kid's fearless. Kid's going to be a, uh, a troublemaker in a few years. He'll be the one jumping uh-huh. off the roof because he thinks he can fly or because he thinks he can be the next Johnny Knoxville.
3: So I, I get the sense that he's going to be the one getting other kids to jump off the roof. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: That's another thing that we've had some discussions with. He's gotten into <laughs> some big trouble recently because he's been uh, mimicking bad behavior that other kids are doing. So we've had to have a discussion mm-hmm. about the difference between being a leader and being a follower. And uh, so the last couple of days, he's like, Daddy, today I'm going to be a leader. And he's gonna inspire other people to do good things as opposed to doing bad things. So I'm
3: gonna turn my skin green and get a giant (laughs) head.
0: He might do that too. Um,
1: He's gonna be a leader. He's not the leader. Okay.
0: (laughs) We had some people send us some Twitter questions this week. Uh, One question is: Do you guys think that the Chronicles of Riddick, the new Chronicles of Riddick film, will be any good? The previous uh,
3: chronicles you know are pretty. I was going to say,
0: good? I don't think the previous ones were any good, so that should give you some indication. No,
3: they they certainly weren't. Although they are hilarious, <laughs> they are just so solidly beefest or uh, mystery science theater material. I oh, mean, you just got to them, yeah. sit down and watch them. They are just hysterically bad.
0: I think I saw the first one. That's where they go onto the night planet or whatever, and. He has eyes that glow in the, the dark or there's,
3: something there's pitch black oh that's right isn't that which is the first yeah, one? which pitch is black just is
1: awesome
3: pitch black is just your straightforward aliens ripoff movie it's really just fine there's nothing wrong with it it introduces a few interesting ideas whatever but not isn't a, that not, isn't not that, that
0: character that riddick character in that film yes okay yeah.
3: then they took that character and then made the chronicles of riddick Ugh. and set it in like if like if Pitch Black was a Star Treky world, yeah. Then The Chronicles of Riddick takes place in a Star Warsy world? Mm. Where it doesn't jive at all. Like if you look at Pitch Black, they're wearing like jumpsuits, clearly they're from Earth or from a similar colony or something like that. Whereas The Chronicles of Riddick, there's like this race of uh of like evil death worshipping aliens called the necromongers
0: ah i see that
3: Um, does sound pretty it's it's awesome too because judy dench is in it Ugh, don't and she plays uh an alien from a race that are are like air elementals so they're called this is not a joke arians (laughs) so an
0: answer answer to your question do you think the new chronicles of riddick film will be any good i think the consensus is no i think this
3: next they have they have a high bar to meet not only can it not be good but it has to be worse than the last one
0: it has to be really really bad Uh, okay Mm -hmm. i think this next question must have been sent in from uh, jerry seinfeld so what's the deal with Batman? He's dead. He's time-traveling. I mean, who did they bury? Uh, I think whoever did send this in... Hey, was,
1: what's the deal with airline <laughs> food? I mean, come on. Is it food or is it air?
0: Uh, So dead, time-traveling <laughs> Batman, who did they bury? Well, the simple answer is it was a clone Batman that they buried.
1: That's right. The clone Batman was teleported into the something or other when the thing happened, and then Superman walked out. With a dead clone
3: Batman, and they were all like, Oh.
0: It's the real Batman. And then we were the all right like Batman. really
3: impressed. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Let me let me see if I have this straight. So this this is all happening. This, this is, is when happening. Doomsday zaps Batman, right? Yeah. Uh, uh no, side Oh, sorry, yeah. Dark Side. Dark Side yeah. zaps Batman with his right. Omega sanction. Right. right, exactly. So you're telling me that somebody cloned Batman prior traveled to through that time
0: event. Oh, prior, prior to
3: Prior to Batman getting
1: Batman killed, was he there was... there up to the point where he was about to be killed. Right. And Darkseid used his Omega Sanction, supposedly, I believe, to teleport the real Batman away and leave a cloned Batman corpse behind to demoralize the heroes of Earth.
0: And so- the reason why they had a Batman clone was because they were uh, Darkseid's uh, minions were literally trying to clone Batman... Uh, so that they could small. Yeah, but these are these were not the yellow fluffy kind that you see at the end of a of a funny film. Um uh, no. but uh they were trying to clone Batman and the cloning process went wrong because Batman is all powerful and he turned the clones. They couldn't they couldn't deal Even with it.
1: Even his horrors. DNA was <laughs> given fifteen minutes to play. They, oh, they, no.
0: they were trying to transfer his memories and the clones just couldn't handle the horrors and atrocities that Batman has seen, and so they were killing themselves. And yeah, okay.
1: I've seen two people get killed, and I don't flip out and run through an alley. <laughs> uh,
0: but that's the answer to that question. Uh, hello, wow. Final Crisis. And don't forget, Superman oh. did sing and save the universe in that, in that series. And,
1: and hey, um, what's the deal with Oprah? I mean, come on, she's fat, she's thin, <laughs> she's fat, she's thin. Hey, pick a body and stick with it, okay?
0: Who would you rather play D&D with? Kevin Smith. Or the Penny Arcade group. Uh You're I would enjoy playing me? with I would enjoy playing with Kevin Smith simply because he's one of those people like me who's not played it and I think would probably uh combine a lot of the newbiness of what I go into D and D with along with the wise cracking attitude that Matthew goes into a game with. But that's just me. Plus I like Kevin Smith a lot, so Matthew, who would you rather play with? Kevin Smith or the Penny Arcade guys? Who, by the way, do Kevin a and tends- d podcast?
1: Kevin Smith tends to have the good sandwiches and, and a tendency to share. Yeah. So that'd be interesting. But Gabe and Tycho are kind of mean, and I like that in a, in a Penny Arcade, kind of like the, you know, the D&D group. I think that I'm going to say Mike Nesmith
0: <laughs>
3: because I can't choose.
0: Okay, Rodrigo.
3: Similar answer, Neil Patrick Harris. Ooh, there you he go. He would be really good, wouldn't he? He would be. WWNPHD, my yep. friends. We can get uh if we can get Neil Patrick Harris and probably, I don't know, Joan Cusack. She seems like she'd be fun to play with.
1: <laughs> my wife looks remarkably like Joan
3: Cusack. Yeah, there you go.
0: All right. Uh, next question. Why is critical hit on the frog pants network and major spoilers is not, is there an advantage to being networked or are there disadvantages? I cannot answer the first part. That's something that uh, really isn't necessary for listeners, but uh, is there an advantage to being networked? Um, there can be some advantages to having your podcast in a network because you do get that added exposure and, um, that comes with a high profile network, and uh the biggest one in really podcasting history is uh pod show, which is now mevio when um uh, 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 uh adam what's his name again there goes back to me not remembering people's names um launched that well uh, it was a big deal no no, no, not adam west uh adam curry and t v no no, not adam curry <laughs>
3: adam Ant. Uh,
0: uh, you know there was a lot of play, and there were a lot of promises uh made about being able to quit your day job and do podcasting full-time. And, of course, everybody was pod show, pod show, pod show, pod show. And um, so everybody was trying to get on board with that. And I had another podcast that got on to uh, a pod show at that time. And there was some minimal, I, you know, there was some success from that. Certainly with Critical Hit, uh, we get a lot of exposure at the Frog Pants Networks, and I really uh, thank uh, Scott Johnson uh, for inviting Critical Hit to be into that, uh, into that group. Uh, and so there's been some advantages to that. Obviously, most of the Critical Hit crew will be at Nerdtacular 2011 coming up uh, in June. So if you're going to uh, be in Salt Lake City or around the area, or if you want to make that trip, I would suggest you go over there. And there's some, certainly some advantages to having that network of people. You can play off one another. Uh, certainly, some of these networks do ad revenue sharing. Uh, so that's a bonus as well. Um, there are some disadvantages though, to being belonged to a network and that's if contracts are involved. So if people who are out there who are wanting some podcasting, uh, advice, if you're asked to join a network or you're wanting to join a network and there's a contract involved, certainly have your lawyer look at it because you may be giving up rights, uh, that you may not want to give up. Uh, you may be giving away percentages of profit that you could probably otherwise make yourself, um, and, uh, and there's certainly some disadvantages to belonging to a podcasting network. Do you guys have any thoughts? A, like, go ahead, Rodrigo.
3: Yeah. Here's something that I think is, is important about, about podcasting and, and networks in general, podcasting, a lot of people say, and you know, to a certain degree, we've said it is like podcasting is a, is something that anyone can do. Anyone sure. can have a podcast until you get popular and then you have to treat it as a business. You know, if you are trying to get ads, if you are trying to get on a network, if you are trying to get more exposure from your podcast, if you're actually putting time and effort into your podcast, you're going to have to put even more time and effort than you're already putting into it. Mm-hmm. Um, because you do get into things where somebody might be giving you a contract where you are essentially producing content for someone else mm-hmm. and not seeing any returns on it. You could yep. get into an issue where, you know... Somebody you run somebody's ads and they never pay you because they weren't a legitimate Mm -hmm. business or because, hey, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do with it about Mm -hmm. it? You're just podcasting out of your basement. Right, right. So you do have to be careful about that stuff. If your podcast starts getting off the ground,
0: I will say this about the critical hit frog pants um, uh, network. There's really no it's just a hey, we want a, a network of like minded shows and fun shows that can be a part of this. And so, again, we're really pleased that uh, critical hit was uh, invited into that uh, into that network. Um, uh, now might be a good time to mention, hey, <laughs> trying to make a business out of something, trying to make it so that we can uh, do this almost full time. I should mention people have been asking for I don't know a couple of months. People have been saying, you know, I don't I like giving you guys donations. It would sure be easier if we could do a recurring donation or a recurring subscription, uh, recurring something that I can set up a payment. And it will automatically be deducted each month out of my credit card or checking account or whatever that you have set up with PayPal. And so finally I got off my lazy ass and said, you know what, let's let's do this. So over at Major Spoilers, if you want to help out the Major Spoilers cause, and I really hope that you think about it. I mean, here we're delivering uh, hundreds of hours a year of free content, and it doesn't cost you anything, but it does cost us something. And if you'd like to help us in that cost... Uh, We do have some recurring donations. $2 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month helps us do a lot of great things. I would love it if 100% uh, of the major spoilers and critical hit listeners would uh, make a recurring donation of even $2 a month. $2 a month would allow us to do a lot of great things um, that we're currently not able to do now because we all have um, other jobs. Let's put it that way. Uh, So head over to Majorspoilers.com. If you can do that, $2 a month, I mean, that's less than a comic book. If there's a comic book that you're so tired of mm. and you uh, want to scratch it off your, your pull list, how about uh, thinking about moving that money over to, to major spoilers? It would sure help us out. Matthew, oh, this might right. be... Here's a question for you. What's the feasibility mm-hmm. of opening a comic book or game store in the digital age? Is there a minimum population required? What, you know what's going on here please talk about this
1: the i think the biggest problem with the comic and game store is that people always underestimate the amount of overhead you're going to run into basically the amount of product you want to have on hand a lot of times we'll have people come into the store and go do you have x and we're like no we can get that for you in seven to ten days you're like no i'll just go online I think that you do have to have a a minimum population. I don't exactly know what that is. I know that Hayes and Salina have had trouble keeping multiple comic stores Mm -hmm. for you know the the entire time that I was growing up. I don't think that – is James still doing
0: his store in Salina? He doesn't have a storefront, but he does it out of his home. Mm.
3: There's the arena in Salina, which is a a gaming and comic shop, but mostly gaming. How long has it been there? Not for very oh, long. From the smell, you'd think a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that...
0: Ooh. Well, here's the thing. When uh, My wife and I really thought about yeah. opening a comic book shop years ago. And we went to the San Diego Comic Book Convention, and we sat in and i forget the association it was it was one of these things that diamond had set up and it was a panel of of people who ran comic shops and everything and they were talking and most of these people were from bigger cities from suburbs outside of san francisco and new york and atlanta and all these places and i basically said well how does can you open and run a comic shop in a town where the population is 20,000 and the response that i got back was oh yeah certainly but again these are people that live in a suburb of kansas city that has a population of right. twenty thousand. You're, you know, you're talking about, you know, the the Johnson County as a suburb of Kansas City or Lawrence as a suburb of Kansas okay. City, kind of ideas. But they did make some good points, though. Um, the thing is, what are you doing to attract the customers into your store? And that's the big thing. A lot of people just think that, hey, I've got a sign out front, and that's all I have to do. But no, you have to hype and you have to promote and you have to sell and you have to figure out ways of letting the community and the people know that you're there. And if you can find that, then I bet you're going to have more success than someone that just says, hey, I opened a store. Here it is. Where's all the customers?
3: I think another uh, important consideration is you see a lot of uh, places that used to be comic stores and then became comic and gaming stores. Um, mm-hmm. and also the other way around. And it's, you know, having both of those things and maybe doing, like, uh statues and, and like, the little statuettes and, and stuff also helps. But you can get a lot of people to your store by holding Magic the Gathering tournaments, for example. Oh, yeah. Like, that attracts no. a lot of people. People will go out of their way to play Magic or to find a place where they can regularly play Magic. So that, you know, if, if you are looking into that, make sure that you... See if you work. can track down somebody who's uh, sanctioned by the DCI to run tournaments for you. Mm-hmm. And then you give them some free cards. Yep. How,
1: do you Our do manager, week, or... Jim, I believe, is sanctioned. Oh. oh, I don't know. I don't actually pay attention. Oh, hey, you know what? Um, I believe to... they have them weekly. I know that we had the big pre release, uh, the last yeah. pre release uh, thing. Yep.
0: I, I, I need to mention that uh, speaking of gatekeeper comics and hobbies, Huntune and Gage, Topeka. We have, we have a very cool announcement coming up in the very near future where yep. we have some very cool things that we are giving away thanks to Gatekeeper Comics and Hobbies, Huntune Engage in Topeka. You can check their Facebook page out. What is that? Uh, Facebook.com slash, what is that, Matthew? Do you Gatekeeper have that
1: Hobbies. Gatekeeper Hobbies. Yep. Gatekeeper They're Hobbies.
0: They also have an eBay page, an eBay site where you can check out some of the things that Matthew is bagging and boarding and putting online. But we have some things that we exactly. will be doing in the near future that I think are very cool. There's one more thing that I have to to uh, check on, but uh you know we we plug this this uh, store a lot and uh they're they're yeah. returning that that kindness to us. So I think it's let
1: me cool. make sure on the gatekeeper hobbies because okay I'll let you look that up see I'll
0: let you look that up Wayne going into a, another topic here I know we've got some time we've got some other questions that uh, people send in via Twitter thank you so much uh, very quickly for people who are looking for us on Twitter of course major spoilers is me online people are like is this Steven that's the that's behind major spoilers anything that has the official major spoilers thing is always me. Uh if you are looking for Rodrigo, it is at Fearsome Critter. If you are okay. looking for Matthew, it is um Mighty King Cobra. If you are looking yes, for Yes, don't use the at sign. Yes, use the at sign at Mighty King Cobra. Uh if you are looking for uh Rob from the Critical Hit podcast, he is what is his? Do you
3: know at, Or something? Immortal, isn't it? Yep. You want to spell At that? At I-M-M-O-R-T-A-L.
0: Someone has asked about D D Brian. I don't think he's on Twitter.
3: Is he it? might be, but D D Brian is a notorious lurker. So following D D Brian is, I, I would say, it would almost be pointless. But I'd mean it might be worse than pointless. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh if you are a fan of Scroll Brian, who's a long term uh friend of major long term, long time friend of major spoilers. He's, He's our Don here. Pardo
1: these
3: days. Yes, he is. Yeah. You can
0: follow him at TV's Brian, B-R-Y-A-N. Uh and the- who else? Oh Brian D. There's right. a D at
3: the end of that. Yeah.
0: TV's Brian D. Uh is there somebody else that we're missing? Alex, is he on the Twitter?
3: He is not. Okay. Although so some of our other writers are on Twitter. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. And I don't have all of theirs, uh, in front of no, me. I think, I think uh, we,
3: we should probably compile all of them at some point. Yeah, so, I'm Hey, writers who are, uh, <laughs> well, for example, Larry King, this, uh, send us your Twitter. Hands.
0: Larry King is at Larry King undead. You can follow him there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, bu- 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 Mike McClarity is Mr. Dystopia. Um, bu- 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 see if it, if there's anybody else that pops up. That's who I have Star so far. Hunter. And we'll be adding those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think Scott Hunter is Scott Hunter. Um, I'll put those up on some uh, bio <laughs> pages here in the very near future. So check that out. Matthew, did you have a chance to check up on that Facebook page?
1: I did. And here I am looking at it and I can't figure it out. But they are gatekeeper <laughs> hobbies. And I think if you just go and enter gatekeeper, yeah, gatekeeper hobbies, hobbies over at Facebook. Comics and games, they're actually listed under pages and under places. Friend them. And here's why. Um, I have actually been working on trying to get my two angry, bald bosses to communicate for about a year and a half now to right. where we can stream streamline what I do, the two jobs that I like streamline into one big multimedia kind of thing where I don't actually have to go to the call center and have people yell at me anymore. And now that we've, you know, we've come to that first step, if we can get gatekeeper hobbies, you know, a hundred new Facebook friends, Uh 500 new Facebook friends. When I go in there, you know, my other mean, bald boss, I can go, hey, hey, Dion, hi, how's it going? And he'll be like, we have 500 new Facebook friends. Here are more things, and we will work together with you. That's how he talked.
0: You know, we <laughs> say that.
3: We will work together. Hello. With you. I am the actor who's been hired this week to play Dion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely, definitely go over and check them out the Gatekeeper Hobbies and Comics and Games page. I believe I have liked them or friended them or whatever Facebook is calling it this week.
1: I know that I have. So if you can find me, you can find them
0: and i don't see the like so I, I must have already i must have already added them so check that out rodrigo uh matthew what are some crazy ex coworkers rodrigo what's that all about
3: <laughs> um well i had a uh a coworker uh recently leave i know i've talked about um my old boss who was absolutely hey. bad set, no. insane <laughs> Before. Not carry on. Carry
1: on the wayward son, not him.
3: not, uh, not him. Uh he, he that that boss has recently left. He's he's gone off to I think mm, the basically. The point of no return. Yes, he's gone to the point of no return. Or I don't know, Song for America. Who cares anymore? <laughs> um but, but no, my uh <laughs> <laughs> Recently, uh, we had we had a guy leave, and he he was pretty crazy. He was really loud and kind of mean, but also was always trying to help people. So you couldn't just stay mad at him. Like he'd be like, "Hey, we gotta get you out to the shooting range so you can learn to shoot things in the head." I'm like, I, I really don't want to do that. Uh, I'm not really feeling that was like, oh, do you, do you need a ride home? You know, like.
0: <laughs> Is this the same we're we talking about. The, are we just... thinking about the same guy?
3: Uh, he was our master control operator. Oh, oh, oh okay, okay, okay.
0: I was um, thinking about your previous. Oh, well, that boss, guy. boss.
3: Oh no 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 no! My previous boss to to this one that's leaving now was a different kind of insane. He uh, always had to demonstrate that he was in charge at all times. And usually he, quote unquote, accomplished this uh, by putting his leg up to show in, in kind of a Captain Morgan stance, which was one of our, our nicknames for him, Captain Morgan. And now another one of his features was that once he committed to something, he wouldn't back down from it. Yeah. So you put, you put those together and furniture that's not necessarily at, at leg height and you got some hilarious situations. There was one time when he was talking to this lady who came from another PBS station and he was really, really trying to show off. So he was talking to her and he put his leg up on this, uh, on this like rack of, of things that we have. And just the first step of it was so high. That he basically had his knee almost up to his chest. <laughs> but, but he just had to put his leg up on it. And this was on a corner. And he started to lose his balance. He was there with his legs so high up. But he would not give up on it. So basically... And I saw this as I was walking by. I went to get some water. And when I came back down, he was literally had both of his arms around the corner that wall. With his leg all the way up and basically talking to this lady over his shoulder. He looked like he was freaking humping the wall (laughs) because he wouldn't admit, he would not physically admit to her that he had over uh, or or that he had like misestimated the height of that rack. Like that's how important it. it was. And so he looked like a moron to stop himself from maybe looking like a moron a little bit.
0: I, I will say this about matter, your crazy ex-worker. I will say this about that crazy mm-hmm. ex-worker, Rodrigo. Uh, the best thing was yeah. that if he walked into a room and if uh, uh, Skrull, Brian, and, and Rodrigo wanted to get rid of him, they'd just start talking about comic books. And that may mm-hmm. have been one of the ways that the Major Spoilers podcast started because uh, yeah. Brian and
3: I— Because we wouldn't stop talking about comic books once he left.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they they came out and did the same thing when we were all working on a project together, and I couldn't stand uh, this this ex coworker, and I would just dive into these <laughs> discussions because I knew it would drive him away, and he would just leave us alone. And uh, yeah, you know, yep, so there's no some good that can, There are some good that can come out of some crazy coworkers. You know, when you when you mention this, Rodrigo, I'm trying to think if I've ever had any crazy ex coworkers. I've never had a coworker that's been fired. That comes in and throws excrement on the building. Oh. I've never had a coworker you know, you know
1: what they say what's that? If you can't remember the crazy person in the room and it's you. it's probably yeah. you yeah.
3: that is that is uh, something that true. I think about a lot i wonder I do wonder if people go home and talk about their crazy coworker Rodrigo.
1: <laughs> I know I do <laughs> You should have heard what he said. Mm. he was talking about amalgam and it just got ugly.
0: I, I'm even trying to think at, at all of my jobs if I've ever been involved. I've had some crazy students where the uh-huh. student would just uh, – just some crazy students, uh, one that would just drive you insane after about five minutes of discussion. But I don't really have any coworkers that I thought were over the edge and I couldn't wait to get rid of them or glad that they were uh-huh. gone or just crazy in the sense that we sat there and laughed every time that they were there. Unless you want to count right. uh, some somebody that I worked with years ago that Matthew and I have referenced many times on this show, who would just start talking about weird stuff that you didn't think had any point <laughs> in the discussion. And so that would be and like the
1: 15 only minutes later, come back around to the point.
0: And yeah, you'd be like, that would oh. be about the only crazy that I could think of. Even when I was in California. um Everybody was pretty sane, except for this one sales girl who decided you, the best way to make sales was to sleep with everybody. But that's you
1: guys thing. needed to work in small market commercial television because lunatics abound. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when Otter Disaster and I worked together at uh, KBSH and Hayes, we had a run of people. At one point I was writing with the anchor anchor woman. She was maybe 23. She was kind of a nice girl. Um, not terrifically bright. This is not the one who later married uh, Mike, by the way, uh-huh. but we got pulled over in a company vehicle. And literally I watched her pull the car over, turn off the thing, unbutton two buttons and pull her skirt up three inches. The, the cop came up and he was like, hey, you mean, hey, you mean, and she's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Talked her way out of a ticket. <laughs> then nice. We were done. <laughs> put her clothes back. Um, there was one young lady that I worked with in Hayes where several of us were sitting and talking at a bar one night. And we re, we all started talking about our, Oh, so that's where Lindsay's implant scars are story. Mm-hmm. Nice. Because she had a tendency to, you know, all of a sudden be topless. If you were, you know, sometimes never at work, of course, never officially, but if you would hang out with her sometimes, you know, just boom, boom hey, no top. That sort of happened. I know that my very favorite was, uh, on the night, late night engineer. Wonderful man. His name was Bill. Well, his name was Elmer, but since the other engineer was also named Elmer, they called him Bill. Yeah. Bill would come in about two in the morning and Bill would spend his time back in the racks, you know, dealing with wires that nobody else understood. One day Bill started talking to me and he was telling me about, um, a couple of good stories. The one where he stopped drinking cow's milk years ago because it's not healthy for you. And he, you know, had a really good scientific rationale for all of this. And he would tell me all about, you know, the studies about how the enzymes are bad for humans and they mess up your stomach. Mm-hmm. And then he showed me his thumb. He apparently crushed his thumb horribly in an accident. And the, the doctors wanted to amputate. And Bill said no. Instead, he splinted it. And he said every morning he would take it and he would dip it in, um, oh, what's that stuff that you put on cuts? Hydrogen peroxide. And he would just dip it in hydrogen peroxide and he said it would burn like heck for a while. Then he'd pull it out and he'd wrap it up and he'd go around his day. And after about a year of dipping his thumb repeatedly in hydrogen peroxide, he had, you know, partial use of it and did not let the doctors cut off his thumb. And when he showed it to me, he actually had like vertical scars. And I'm like, what are the scars? He's like, oh, I had to do a little surgery with my buck knife.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah. I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, they wanted to cut it off. I'm like, Really? But I'll be darned if it didn't work. Now I worked with this one guy in college. Uh, had a, a German last name. I don't remember what it was. But it rhymed with Piker or something. But he uh, used to tease his hair up really, really tall. And he wore this, this purple helmet with a camera bolted on top, right? Oh, it was kind of scary. Mookie, they called him.
0: Yeah, I remember that guy. Uh, Some more questions from the Twitter. Uh, Twitter. Which movie adaptation is the worst? Affleck's Daredevil, Travolta's Punisher, Cage's Ghost Rider, or Alba's Fantastic Four?
1: Depends on what you mean by worst.
0: Yeah, I guess compared to one another.
1: I I think Ghost Rider has the most lost potential for it really does that sequence where uh the ghost riders power up and they race across (laughs) the desert and it's done and then they're like oh that's all the power i had you got to fight by yourself i'm like why did you burn up your power looking cool riding across the desert when you could have ridden on johnny's bike and used your power to actually fight the villain right you know for five minutes It's oh plus jessica alba man oh she's hot
0: <laughs> I would do, do stuff go? to her. You you agree?
3: Um, I I not wouldn't say that Ghost is Ghostwriter is the
0: worst.
3: Yeah, eh, she looks like my sister. I'm not into her. Um, <laughs> can you give me an introduction? <laughs> <laughs> well, she's single again. Um, well, I'm not. Well, there you go. Um. You know, Ghost Rider, I thought was a really nice, quirky, supernatural, romantic comedy up until Ghost Rider actually shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually enjoyed that aspect of it. You know, I think that, uh, probably Daredevil was, was probably the biggest dud. Although I hear the, uh, the uh, director's cut is a lot better.
0: It really is a lot better. The story flows so much better than the theatrical. You get to know the characters a lot more. I like the director's cut a lot. Not that it's in my top ten or anything, but it's It's much better than the theatrical. Uh, I've not seen Travolta's Punisher, so I, I can't tell you if it's, if it's how bad it sounds. Yeah, actually,
3: I haven't thought. either. So, Which
0: one is uh, that? That's the one with
1: is John
3: Is that the Travolta Tom Jane it? remake?
0: I don't know. I
1: didn't realize that John Travolta <laughs> appeared in a Punisher
0: he was He was the big bad in that movie. It was... Um, who played Gosh, sure. which one was that? Uh, we can find out very quickly. If you vamp... Uh, who vampa. cares? Let's just move on. Uh, no,
1: we're <laughs> going to move on.
0: All right. If Professor uh, Snape
1: married a Weasley, would they have ginger snapes?
0: ah Uh Here's a question. This is maybe something that we've already answered. Which comic... Would you love to see adapted to animation, and why—art, story, or just because? Punisher. I Orr's don't one, like the, way, the one with John Travolta. You don't, okay?
1: I, I feel like no, I don't. I feel like there's way too much weight put on getting your comic book adapted, and I think any more people are using it as an excuse for what they perceive to be a thought process that their hobby is childish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could really give a damn if somebody thinks my hobby is childish or that my hair is too long or, you know, that my face breaks out, whatever the hell. So I am not a big believer in adaptations because so many times the nuances that I love are lost in the adaptation. Uh, I keep going back to recently. I saw Scott Pilgrim, And everything that I loved about Ramona is completely gone. There's hints of it, Mm -hmm. but Ramona is not the awesome that she should have been, that she was in the original material, simply because they didn't devote, they didn't have the time or they didn't take the time to devote to actually developing Ramona into what, you know, I perceive Ramona as. Mm -hmm. If you look at, you know, Iron Man, Iron Man's a very good movie. It's a good popcorn flick. It's a good superhero flick. You know what it doesn't touch on? The things that I really like about Tony Stark, it doesn't touch on the alcoholism. It doesn't touch on, you know, the fact that he's using his money and his womanizing and the blah, blah, blah and all of that. It doesn't touch on the fact that he's trying to be a superhero, not just with a physical failing, you know, the shortfall of his heart, but the fact that he's kind of a douche. He's kind of a mega douche and he's trying to be a superhero anyway.
0: I think we lost Rodrigo. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, Let us. Uh, so, oh, by the way, Punisher 2004, the one with Thomas Jane is the uh, is the Travolta okay. uh, Punisher. Tom. And, Jane.
1: I, I haven't I haven't seen any since Dolph Lundgren.
0: Yeah. Well, and I don't think I even watched that one. Rodrigo, uh, what is there a comic book that you would le- love to see adapted into animation?
3: Uh, Mouse Guard would probably be cool.
0: Oh, yeah, that would yeah. be pretty cool. Uh, last question here. What do you guys think of Scarlet Bendis' new book? I, I haven't read it, so I couldn't tell you. Matthew?
3: Also have not read it. I say trifecta,
1: for I have not read it either. <laughs> Who's it from?
0: I don't know. I did not copy usernames. I could find out really quick. What's it about? Uh, what do you think? Is, this is from uh, Brenton8090, who uh, sent us a comic book the other day that uh, he thinks we should check
1: apparently out. Apparently an icon book. Issue 1 came out recently, cost 4
0: bucks. I don't know anything about it, so, you know, uh, I just wish we could get... I don't know uh,
1: either, I'm going to have to check it out.
0: Yeah, so we'll check it out. Maybe listeners, if you've read it, you can write in or call in. Issue
1: 1 came out like last month.
0: Call in to the Major Spoilers hotline and tell us what you think of Scarlet. Matthew, that number is... 785-727-1939,
1: 785-727-1939, the major spoilers, three or four-minute delay after a two-hour podcast recording hotline.
0: You said that you had a uh, topic this week, Matthew, that you wanted to talk about.
1: I do, a topic which popped up today recently. I was talking to uh, one of my coworkers. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever worked in the call center industry, but call center industry is nomadic by nature, and... Oh, maybe nine months ago, one of my, uh, colleagues, another manager in the center left to go to another call center where he worked as a monkey level agent, the, you know, the right. frontline phone representative.
0: Right. And I actually
1: was offered a job at that call center making what would turn out to be a little bit more money with the option for overtime, Hmm. but I wouldn't take it because, um, at 40, I don't want to be a frontline agent anymore. And we got to talking about, you know, whether that extra money was worth the loss of pride in taking two steps down in the hierarchy when you went right. to that other call center.
0: Right. So the question is, is money more important than than the pride? Is it better exactly. to, take is, that, you know- to take that demotion for the money as opposed to moving forwarding your career via your your uh, yearly whatever your yearly exactly. budget or your yearly bottom line
1: yeah how an much money would it take to override? The price? Well, for me, the obvious answer is at forty years of age, I'm not ready you know for a dollar two dollars more, two thousand mm-hmm. dollars a year. I'm not ready to take that step down simply because a lot of times when I have my my teams at work, there will right. be people ten, fifteen years senior, older mm-hmm. than me who want to be on my team because I'm the closest thing they have to a grown-up? Right. You know, some of my colleagues are, are 19 and 20 running teams of several people. So I, I don't think I can go back and be an agent without having to, right. You know, whatever, whatever pride comes into play, I would rather be a manager making slightly less money than step down and be that first level agent again, because I feel like, you know, I'm good at what I do, and even if it pays a little less, it doesn't pay more enough to where, as a grown-up, I can justify saying, "Well, I'm a I'm a front-line rep again. I'm I'm a phone monkey." Mm -hmm. No offense to our friends Rob and Brian, who are indeed phone monkeys.
0: Rodrigo is my
3: yeah, but they're like senior phone monkeys. (laughs) Um, I think I think it's important to a certain degree to you know keep your pride. In check to a to to a large degree, and you know, is is money more important than pride? I think that's that's a um, a case by case scenario. You know, sometimes yeah. I, I I'm sure that there are plenty of people out there who have been in the situation of do I take a do I go to a job that's going to pay me more, even though I don't like it as much, or even though I'm not going to have the same sort of prestige, but it's more money which I need to. Feed my family or,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know, get something accomplished that I really, truly want to do. And I'll just get my, li- you know, just take the, take the hit now while I'm young and, 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 um, well, you know, I've thought well, about it. Let me that. put it to I, you I, this way. Okay.
1: I could pay you close to 22.5 to be tomorrow to be a bilingual phone monkey, frontline phone monkey. You know, in some places, if you go into a Kansas City market, you might be able to make twenty five, twenty six, just being able to speak two languages on the phone. I mean, would it be worth going and making that additional money if you know it meant sidetracking your career in in what? What do you do again?
3: Um, <laughs> teach people about people corn. Money.
1: Apparently, yeah. <laughs> your, your corn. Your corn teaching. Your corn. Your your corn squeezing job. Well, you know, as opposed to doing something where you're just basically it, it is it is the 21st century equivalent of factory work. See, it's the Upton Sinclair story.
3: to me to me, it wouldn't be because I hate talking on the phone and honestly, to me, I, I mean you're right, working at a at a call center just just seems terrible, but not necessarily socially terrible. I don't have, obviously, I hang, I hang out with a lot of people who work at call centers and I don't have anything against them or any, or any problem with that. I would just hate to work at a call center because of who I am and what I like to do. Um, but you know, I mean, I thrive in this environment. Well, well, there you go. Uh, I I do hate talking to people over the phone. Um, (laughs) hilariously enough, but you know, I mean, I, you know, I live in Kansas. I work for a little tiny station in Kansas and I went to a nice school. I had good connections, but I ended up coming down here because I could get more experience down here because the pay wasn't bad. And because I don't need, I don't really need a nightlife to speak of uh, being the uh, aforementioned nerd that we've, we've touched on. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, you know, I, uh, I have friends who are in New York right now. I have friends who are working in Hollywood right now, and and is that is that a, a hit to the ego? Eh, it can be, but you know, I'll tell you what: none of them are producer directors. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. and they're. You may kings.
1: want to pick up that name you dropped there, by the way. Um, What name? More of a title, really, but still.
3: Oh sure. <laughs>
0: You know, For me, I guess it is dependent upon a a case-by-case basis, and I've had this thought many a time is, what would happen if tomorrow I lost my job? What am I going to do to get that money or to get money to feed my family and to make sure that the house payment is made? And I really have no problem, if it means making sure that I have money to support the family, I have no problem if, if someone said, hey, come work at McDonald's and you'll have that paycheck. I may hate it, but I've got that money. To make sure that my family's taken care of, and so in that case you know that that is number one importance um, other yeah. times in jobs that as i've moved from one place to another i've leveraged it so that my current salary gets an increase uh regardless of where I move to uh, It may not be a lot, yeah. and in fact, it may be almost the same, only maybe about a thousand dollars off, but every time it's been a uh, an increase. That is equal to the position that I'm taking, and most of my positions have been lateral moves, not necessarily demotions. But if it came to it, and, and I need to go about- work at Ma- yeah. But if I if I if I had to and, and I needed to go work at McDonald's, I would oh, hate yeah. it, and it would be I'm sure people would come in and go Ah, you're working at McDonald's now. <laughs> but I'd be saying, Hey, you know, this is what I got to do to pay the bills right now. Would I'm talking about times when you no.
1: have an option. You know, when uh, this is a story that I like to tell when I left the television industry,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, there were three factors in play. I left the television industry in a not at all pleasant way for reasons which don't need to go into, but, you know, weren't necessarily fully justifiable from my perspective on the day that my wife said, hey, I'm pregnant. And that's why I'm in call centers now, because I immediately went to the call center that was hiring and I had a job three days later. Yeah. And when that call center went under, I immediately went to the call center three months away, and I had a job two days later. Mm -hmm. And when that call center went nuts, I immediately went to the temporary site, and they put me in six or seven different call centers over the course of several months before I moved here. So it came to a point where I do what I do, and I'm good at what I do because I had to. But when it came down to it, given that choice of, Would I rather be at X salary doing what I do or X salary plus one and do something that I'm, you know, I wouldn't be happy with. I wouldn't be fulfilled with. I would be quite frankly bored out of my mind. Mm -hmm. And it came to a point where, you know, X plus one wasn't it. X plus five might have been, you know, if I were making six grand more, if I were making twice as much in an hourly rate if i were you know looking at a benefits package that was ungodly i would probably do it
0: mm-hmm. but
1: i would probably resent it you know because the primary job i complain about it but i like my primary job because i feel like i'm making a difficult environment less difficult for nine to twenty people at a time just by mm-hmm. not being a raving jackwad and screeching at people yeah so i don't know i think that If tomorrow they said, Hey, you know, at one point I was, uh, I applied for a fry cook job at Dylan's. I would be cooking chickens in pressure fryers nine hours a day. And they're like, and we'll give you this amount of money. I'm like, that's not even worth giving up my unemployment, son. Mm. And I told unemployment, they offered me X amount of money and they said, that's not even worth giving up your unemployment, son. I'm like, and there you go. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you know, you got that going.
0: Yeah, but when it comes down to that question of would I swallow my pride and go work at what you what I would consider a, a lower job, if it meant that I had to put yeah. food on the table, I, I, I probably would. But if it yeah. was just a... If you have to, you have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. All right, good, good, uh, good question there, Matthew. Um, Happy. How significant do you think the progress towards making the comic book industry more inclusive in terms of diversity of creators and ease of getting unique indie stuff out there has been in the last, say, 10 years? I don't, I don't know if there's been a lot of progress. I mean, certainly movies may be helpful. It's, kind
3: of, a, it's kind of a complex question. Yeah.
0: yeah. There absolutely um, has,
1: but it's, you know, it's, it's things that we don't necessarily look at. I mean, if you look at like Mahmoud Asrar, who is currently drawing Legion of Superheroes, mm-hmm. Mahmoud Asrar, I believe is Turkish. Mm-hmm. And what 10, 15 years ago in comics, it was difficult no, to find, you know, anybody who wasn't a white guy in his 20s and 30s. Right. You know, if you look at the success of Nicola Scott, who is on Teen Titans, which is still arguably a top tier title, if you look at the success of, you know, people who aren't just white guys in their 30s, um, G. Willow Wilson, uh, Gail Simone, you know, a, a lot of, I I guess a lot of it just goes unnoticed because of the fact that it's not a big deal. And then, you know, when Marvel does something like, say, girl comics, it sets the whole thing back because girl comics was a stunt. Girl comics was not only a stunt, it was an ill-advised and condescending stunt. We're going to call it girl comics and it'll be all girl creators and all stories about girls. I'm like, I have a good idea. Let's celebrate the year of the women by putting female writers and female artists on the top tier
3: books. Yeah, have a have a female writer on Spider Man Marvel. There's a statement. Yeah. or even you know, a throw throw a female writer into the webhead mix. They've
1: got like nineteen writers on that book, mm-hmm. but I think that we don't realize how much it's changed simply because you know we don't necessarily think about in in a way. And this is this is me making an overgeneralization. The comic book industry came out of the publishing industry. And if you look at the 40s specifically, the 40s comics tended to be made by young Jewish men, young Jewish family men in New York City or the surrounding areas. And the reason for that is because it was a publishing job. You could get in there. If you knew a guy, you knew a guy. You got in there. You get people like Jack Kirby, Stan Lee, Will Eisner. You know, all of these guys came from a similar culture. And as we progress, it came to a point where still white guys, you know, still people of a certain age, but guys like Roy Thomas and Chris Claremont and Len Wein, you know, things start slowly, glacially started changing. If you look at the credits that we saw in the 90s, when you started seeing names that weren't Chris and Bob and Mark, and you started seeing, you know, like Mark Texiera, you started seeing names that we're actually you know of a hispanic descent you started mm-hmm. seeing creators like Dennis Cowan and Dwayne McDuffie guys yeah. who weren't those white guys and i think it's happened so slowly and it's happened so incrementally that we don't think about we don't think about the positives that have happened i can't think of a female comics writer from the 70s right off the
0: top of my head when did uh when did um Elfquest start and Wendy Penny isn't she the one that was doing Wendy the Pini? writing on? That, I want to say
1: that uh, was Penny. yeah seventy eight seventy nine I think in that range something like that. There's one yeah. I know Louise Simonson at Marvel around the early eighties.
0: But I I think the, for me my first reaction was well really I don't know be, don't know or don't think that there's been a lot of progress because as you said Matthew we may have some some great steps and some fun steps like Dwayne McDuffie but you know what he actually didn't have. A lot of success in comics. I mean, you think about all the the stuff that they shat upon him hat on. He had more success writing comic book characters for TV and movies and directed to to, uh, to DVD movies than he did with his own creator own stuff. Just the way the industry treated him and these dumb moves like girl comics uh, is really a step back in in the industry. Um, certainly, there are have been some in the second part of the question. There have been some uh the ease of getting unique indie stuff out there uh, certainly we've seen more of that thanks to the internet uh, because people can talk okay. about it more and, and get the message out that way as opposed to some small press expo where a bunch of ple- people are sitting around with their with their small uh print run comics presses yeah
3: <laughs> rodrigo with their little tiny presses, little and they two presses and their little
0: people that are staplers any thoughts rodrigo
3: um, I think that the problem with indie comics is that it, it, you know, an independent comic is to a certain degree hard to define. It's kind of an independent comic is anything that's not the big two or a company. Mm-hmm. Is it just only a creator own thing? Like, Just is, is something that Dark Horse puts out an independent comic. I mean, they're still creator-owned properties, but it's a major publisher. Dark Horse
1: and Image are like multi-million dollar corporations. As much as they're, they're definitely creator-owned. I don't know if I would ever call it Dark Horse or Image title.
3: Well, sure, but uh, so, so where's that line? I mean, did the, the moment that like, if it comes from a company, it's not indie. So like. Yes. Okay. So it has to be, it has to be something that the creator himself puts together, sends out, and, and has a print run out of his own money.
1: For me, an indie comic is where the creator is the publisher. Like say, you know, image, where they have a clearinghouse that publishes your books. You're still creating your stuff. You still own your stuff. You're still an independent creator. But I wouldn't call that, you know, independently published book.
3: So an independent. So I, all that defines an independently published book is how it's distributed.
0: Well,
1: not necessarily all. This. I mean, we're in that real weird, complex area.
0: Well, I was going to say. Let me give you an example. She Buccaneer is a is a good example. It's done by um, uh, husband and wife. I believe their last names is Hughes, not to be confused with Adam Hughes. Um, but I think they own their own. Or company. Howard Hughes. The yeah. Eight-meter. Um, they own their own company. Uh, but they they produce the tales of the she buccaneer or voyages of the she buccaneer from their, um, you know from their from their business. Now it's a business that gets distribution through Diamond or did until Diamond changed their uh, policy of minimum orders. Are they still considered an independent company? Would you consider them independent, Matthew?
1: I would say yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> I mean it's so hard to describe, you know. And I think that to some degree the difficulty of it is what it really boils down to is it doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily have any bearing on the book. I think that when people say independent they take it as shorthand for non-Marvel or in some cases non-superhero properties. Right. You know somebody right. was saying that uh, Mark Miller is doing independent work through Icon. Like icon is Marvel. Mm-hmm. That, they're, that to me is not independent work. And, you know, even if you look at the books, they are very strongly, you know, Mark Miller world books and they have their thing, but I don't even think of them as necessarily independent comics because, well, A, they're being distributed through a, an imprint of Marvel and B, even if you take it as to mean a book that's not a mainstream superhero type book, those titles, you know, Superior and uh, what is it? The one with Nemesis, Nemesis, I think it's called. You know, those aren't even necessarily out of mainstream topics, or even handled in an out of mainstream way. So, you know, you can't use either definition there.
0: Rodrigo, how do you define the independent comic book?
3: Uh, I don't honestly. <laughs> there you I go. mean, and because I, I have. I can't find where it starts or ends. You know, there are going to be guys who are drawing things by hand and photocopying them on Xerox machines and then stapling them together and then passing them out. And those guys are clearly indie comics. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, after that, if you say, if you are an artist and you, Go out and pay a company to print a bunch of copies of your comic and only have it up on your website. Like, for example, uh, well, I don't know if they paid them or who paid who, but for example, uh, Adrienne and Kristen from the Super Future Friends, you know, that's how they do their comics. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, are they independent? I mean, there's, you know, there's a company involved. I, I would say yes, probably, but obviously the, the, the problem that I have with, with the definition of, of indie comics, is that it's not telling of subject matter and it's not telling of how the creator is involved. It's actually an issue of how involved a distributor is, it seems, which to me is nearly meaningless. Um, because it's like, do we want to see more creator-owned projects? That's, that's something to me. Do we want to see more comics by women and minorities and, you know... Traditionally, indie comics help out in that sense. Sure. But do we want to see more comics that have been done through a Xerox machine? You know, I mean, maybe if you're into that, but that intrinsically doesn't really mean anything to me.
0: Excellent. Thank you for those answers, and thank you, listeners, for writing in your questions over at Twitter. Again, if you want to follow us, uh, Twitter, specifically Major Spoilers, uh, at Major Spoilers. Uh, If you want to follow Rodrigo, at some Critter. And if you want to follow Matthew... At Mighty King Cobra. Finally, before we get out of here, what editing software do you use for Critical Hit, in the Major Spoilers podcast? Uh, the answer is Soundtrack Pro. Uh, also, what track is the Critical Hit theme song? It's probably Generic Theme Song Number One. Uh, you can find it in the uh, in the library. Should you use it for your oh. Dungeons and Dragons podcast? Probably not. Will you hear it in the trailer music to the Justice League Triple X porn parody trailer? Yes, you certainly will. Why? because um. <laughs> it, is a, it is a music library song, and that's how you run into those kinds of issues. I Next do have time, one on the last question spoiler, from oh, sure, tour.
1: go ahead. Okay, go I ahead. I would like to address really quickly. Someone asked me, as a reference to an old G.I. Joe comic, whether I'm now going to be called the Mighty Najahana, and I'm not, and here's why. King Cobras are a different order. They are not of order Naja like all the other Cobras. King Cobras are of the order Ophidius, or excuse me, Ophiophagus, meaning snake eater. So I might be the mighty Ophiophagus Hannah, but never Nadja Hannah. And now you know, and knowing is half the battle.
0: Next time on the Major Spoilers Podcast, we will be talking about Dark Horse Comics Star Wars, Tad and Bink Are Dead. You still got plenty of time to order it from Amazon and check it out for yourself, because we'll be discussing it next time on the show. Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we'll talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers.
2: what a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raving it's like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a face. Being shot up in a fine being in the Middle East With a Santo throwing soldier major spoiler what a major spoiler yeah 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 what a major spoiler whoa 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 whoa. what a major spoiler major spoilers is copyright
0: 2011